like Hill, Hill House as well, and like other like off the top of my head, I can't think of them, but like they're like standard. They're I'm saying like too much editing that out. Like 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 like. Hello and welcome to No Refunds. My name is Dwight, and joining me this week is uh, Alex. I almost <laughs> said Dwight. I'm, I'm uh, like I didn't even. I wasn't even meaning to do it intentionally. But it just happens, like a lot of that's things the, on this podcast. That's not the first time that's happened. This it's is, not. This is what happens when you don't give me the cat. <laughs> oh, also Tiffany's here. Hey, Tiffany, how are you? Long time no see. <laughs> What have you been up to? I'm Why are you on our show today? Yelling at my students via email. Ooh. We're a professional podcast. We are. We have a whole two downloads yesterday. We are a very wow. professional podcast. That's Im- it's pretty impressive. That's impressive. I like it. Um, makes me happy. Smiles in my heart. Although we have not received any recipes yet, even though like I'm- four people have told us they'd send stuff in. Um, I'm really upset, and I'm really particularly upset because last week I tried to make cookies just like on a whim because I was bored, and they fucking failed. So, uh, yeah, I need recipes. I need help. They spectacularly failed. I mean, they tasted good, but they were not (laughs) cookies. It was just crumbles. Cookie crumbles that like were so flat that they stuck to the pan. And then I was like, well, I'll put the dough in the fridge and see if I can make another batch same thing. And then I just ate the rest of the fucking cookie dough. <laughs> Crying. Uh, my my mom has been on this, like, gluten-free kick recently. So she's been making gluten-free baked goods. So she made gluten-free cookies a couple weeks ago, which were actually really good. And then she made gluten-free brownies this past weekend, which were pretty good i would say pretty good gluten free is really hard because it gets really tough like the the gluten-free baked goods are really really tough yeah that's what i was gonna say how do you make a gluten-free cookie where most of the ingredients in cookies are flour black magic don't ask me don't ask me my mom did it so if you you want we can have her on as a guest (laughs) next time to ask you, you can only make it during the month of October because a lot of black magic is involved and uh. um, <laughs> blood blood oaths with Satan and stuff like that. Give me the a usual. recipe. This says it's the best gluten free cookie recipe. Not a high bar. And they're gonna they're gonna give me a fucking like every other recipe a fucking story about the cookies and how they originated and blah. I don't fucking care. Just give me well, the recipe. Welcome to the twenty first century where oh everything has to be contextualized. Like I don't like, care. Like I was telling I was talking to my parents the other day. This is kind of related, but like. When I watch American Ninja Warrior, I don't give a fuck about oh, your life story. I, I just care. want to watch you be athletic and yeah. amazing and do things that I could never do in my lifetime. Don't fucking give me your sob story like human interest piece. I don't care. I fucking hate American Ninja Warrior. And partially because 
I, I didn't grow up on it, but in college, um, we had G4 in college, and they right. constantly played um, Sasuke, which is, yeah. they just called it American War, or they just called it Ninja Warrior, which is yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the original Japanese version of it, and they would just play, like, day-long marathons of, like, the first 25 tournaments or whatever, and it yep. didn't matter if I'd seen it a thousand times, I'd rewatch it, and it was just no bullshit Boom, person yeah. go, boom, person oh, go, yeah. boom, yeah. person go. And occasionally towards the later halves, um, towards like the later ones, if you had like someone who was like a repeat contestant, they'd be like, yeah. let's go into this contestant's backstory. But that was the only time. Other than that, yeah. it was just like, here's a person, go. I cannot stand American television in that way. They always yeah. have to have the story. They always have to have that emotional heart string tugging through line. And I don't give a yeah. fuck. God yeah. damn, yeah. I hate American It's television. really I- manipulative. I just want them to dance for my entertainment. I don't want to know that they are human beings. I think that's really my thing. My thing is that I feel like sometimes they, and this is American Enjoy, but I'm also thinking of things like American Idol and like America's Got Talent and all that shit where they specifically are picking like those people based on their sob stories and not necessarily their talent. I like I'm sorry that your life sucked, but you suck at singing. Or you, I'm sorry, you're, like you had this thing happen to you, but you're not a good athlete. Like that's yeah. not why I'm watching these I, things. I'm so terrible. I like to imagine a producer walks out to the line of contestants and goes, "Who has the most tragic backstory?" And somebody from the back just goes, "My mom just died." And front of the line. They just go, "You're you're to the front." I also wonder. I know, wasn't there like an "It's Always Sunny"? where they were talking about I forget what it was. And like, I don't know if it was like the boys to men episode where they were trying to get on stage with them. And D's like, Oh, I was a, I was in the Marines and like they were, I forget, I forget what episode it was, but she was coming up with her sob story. Yeah, yeah, I think it was definitely one of those. And there was also the episode where they tried to win an award, like where they specifically commented on that, which was also funny. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, the other thing, so Timmy and I have been watching a lot of football lately. Um, just every sa- sun, every Sunday. Yeah. I'm a big football boy. Every Sunday, yes. we've just been like, whatever game is on in a row, we'll, we'll watch it. And we've started seeing commercials for shows that I don't normally watch. And I will say this, at least for a show like Ninja Warrior or Survivor or America's Got Talent or any of those, the people on those shows at least have some form of skill or doing something Mm -hmm. difficult. We've been seeing commercials for Big Brother whatever, and like (laughs) the people who were on that show are, I've only seen the tr- the commercials, but they're taking it so fucking seriously. They're like, this person no- doesn't know how to play the game of Big Brother. And it's like, you're just sitting around in a house, bro. Like, what the fuck, man? It's not it's not in The yeah. Amazing Race. Chill out. Yeah. Chill out. I hate television. And it's, it's not Road Rules. <laughs> real road, oh, real yeah. world Road Rules Challenge deserved all the Emmys. That's the real shit right there. I, I agree. <laughs> It's so bad. I feel so how, terrible. How did we get here from gluten-free cupcake or brownies? <laughs> you said you've been watching brownies? American Ninja Warrior. No, no. I, got, I don't know. No, I got to American Ninja Warrior because we were talking about sob stories. How did we get to sob stories? I don't know, but I did oh, learn that. Oh, it go was, ahead. It was the recipe for the cookies <laughs> that yes, we found. Which I, I'm circling back to, and this recipe just uses <laughs> almond flour. So it doesn't use actual flour. It uses almond flour. And then they also make gluten-free flour, which I'm not sure what that is. 
You're you're giving um, almond flour a complex. First off, almond milk is not milk, and now almond flour is not flour. Yeah, Man, but then that's gluten, poor nut. How can gluten free flour be flour? Oh, I clicked on another recipe. What we, the? We are not fuck? chemists. I don't think we can answer this what question the for you. Fuck? I mean, to a certain degree, oh. I should be able to speak competently about chemistry. I just am an idiot. What's so... your favorite molecule? Ooh. Or ionic bond. I mean, I feel like my favorite molecule has to be caffeine. Mm, yummy, yummy, yummy. These are just words that I'm saying. I just I just don't understand why I remember the first time I ever bit into that warm chocolate chip cookie. Like, I don't care. No, you don't. Just Shut up, you goddamn liar. No one remembers the give, first time they ate a chocolate chip cookie. Give me the goddamn recipe. Unless they're okay. three and just had one. Mm, the gooey center melting uh, in my mouth. And then I took that recipe over the years and I've adapted it. And you should do this. And on a bright summer, sunny day. We are coming to- in hot today. Can you tell that we don't have a lot to talk about? Um, this is going to be... An episode. I'm, I'm also really angry. Like right before this, I was I sent out an email to uh, one of my classes because uh, it's midterms, and I have like a bunch of people that are failing. Um, I have people who are have A's, and I have people who are failing. There's no in between. Mm. And I was basically like, "Hey, I'll change some stuff in the syllabus, and we'll, you know, whatever." But uh, I have you in class for an hour every week, and I uh, we need to stop with all the Zoom shit. I don't want you in your car. I don't want you at Target. I don't want you wherever. I want you in class participating. And uh, you should give me that much respect. I just sent mm-hmm. out this long email. I was like, I'm fucking over it. I'm. It takes me longer to commute back and forth to the fucking campus than it does to actually, like, that they're actually in the class with me. I'm like, right. you are all, <laughs> basically, you're all being rude. Stop it. <laughs> so I'm all fired up. She was in rare form, and it was quite nice. Um, I, I sent an email to, to Maddie today asking her about the emotes and everything, and Tiffany Ooh. came down and fucking eviscerated me no, for one of my... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. But she totally I... shot down one of my suggestions, and I was like... Okay, no, I didn't. Right. I just said, I don't think that will work. What was what was the suggestion? I want to... I, I will be the bipartisan. I will go okay. weigh in. I, I, will, I will list... Three emotes that I sent in, and I will see if okay. you can pick the one that Tiffany um, did not like. So the okay. first, the first one is a um, an arcade cabinet uh, that's either like green or yellow, and on the screen is the no refunds logo. Okay. Uh, the The next one is a uh, a literal uh, picture of a dumpster that is on fire. Ooh, and, okay. And, uh, and, and maybe it's a little cute. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's sassy. Who knows? And the yeah, third yeah. one is our three faces uh, in a minimalist design with only our like main features accentuated. Ooh, okay. The second one is amazing, and I'm all for it. <laughs> um, I think of those three... The third one might be the hardest to come across in the tiny emote size form. Um, I At first, I thought it was going to be the first one, but the more I think about it, the more I think that, that it could work. But I'm going to go with number three. That is exactly right. And so I removed <laughs> that one from, from my, my suggestions. Tiffany, yeah. you were correct. Yeah, vilified. Good job. Good job. Good job. I'm I'm proud. No, I just was speaking to like emotes are so small. 
Yeah. They're so small. And like, I know there are other things that have emotes that have lots of stuff in it. Or even I think yeah. of like the Reddit, like the Reddit flare. Yep. Like sometimes it's so small, you can't yep. see it. Uh, like, honestly, a couple of the emotes that I asked Maddie to do, like she sent me back a, like a picture and I was just like, oh, wow, that doesn't come through as well as I thought in the in the size. Like, it looks great yeah. when she sends it to me because she sends me like a big version of it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I found ways to use some of the stuff other places, like for like notifications on stream or whatever. Oh, cool. But like one or two of them, I was just like, oh, wow. I I didn't even think about it when I was asking for it. That makes sense. Yeah, so I asked her to do it in a, in a banner form instead. Ooh, that'll be yeah, perfect. It'll I thought be that'd cute. be nice. So. I was right before I sent my scathing email, so I was. He also, he also fired never up. asked for my consent to use my uh, my That's image. True. On... I didn't. No, um, he he actually did on stream. I was gonna say so. Yeah, nice try. First off, nice try. <laughs> and two, I wouldn't have done it unless I had gotten your. I thought you would said yes. I thought I I did. I I vaguely remember consenting to this. Sure. Friend to this relationship that we have. I'm in your emotes. I'm I'm the stack of pancakes. I assume. Uh no, <laughs> absolutely not. I'm that hot butter on top. Ew, gross, <laughs> gross, gross. So we received two emails. emails. <laughs> That's exactly where I'm going with this. So we received two emails uh, from the same person. So it's really like one and then a second one, which is two. That that adds up to two. So the first email that we have received is from JT. Again, this is from Jesse. Uh, he writes, I also have the same issue Ricky has when strangers think I'm someone else. It's happened a lot less now with the beard. I was at a restaurant where two older ladies were convinced I was lying to them as I explained I wasn't one of their younger family members. Mm -hmm. Alex, doing episodes? Gross. You watch seasons at a time. I think this is Dwight speaking now. I think this is just stream of consciousness as he was listening to our episode. Well, yeah, I think that was him quoting me. I definitely said that in the last episode. <laughs> Oh, I, there's a second part to this. Uh, so, doing episodes gross, you watch seasons at a time. To that, Jesse asks, what are your favorite shows to straight up binge until you just can't anymore? Have there ever been shows where you watched an entire season in one sitting? Uh, I also really need to watch the second and third Karate Kid movies. Uh, yes, you do need to watch both Karate Kid movies, and there absolutely have been shows where we've watched an entire season in one sitting. Off the top of my head, I can't think of them. I will have to um, ponder on that for a second. I mean, okay, uh, what... Con I mean, I'm going to ask qualifying questions. What constitutes one sitting? Does, like, getting up to take a big shit like, break up a sitting? Or no. is it, like, stopping for more than an hour or something? I, I would say that in one sitting constitutes a day. For me, like if, if you're spending like f four to like six hours of your day watching something, I consider that a binge um, in general. So like even if it's broken up into three two hour chunks, that's binging okay. to me for the most okay. part. Well, the second time I watched Hill House, I watched it all in one day. Probably I think I took a break to like heat up some pizza and then i ate it while i watched it i like the second time i watched hill house i definitely watched it in like one sitting 
And that's like 10 hours worth of content, right? Uh, yeah, nine and change. It's pretty intense. Tiffany, how about you? Have you ever watched any show in one sitting? I'm thinking of the time where I got really into Scrubs. Like when we were first discovering Scrubs and I bought some of the seasons on DVD. And like, I don't remember how much I watched, but I know at one point I'm like, it's 3 a.m. I got to go to bed. I just kept putting in episode after episode after episode. Like it was, it was that thing. I think there's the craziest I've ever gotten. And that's before Netflix and streaming and stuff. That was like good old DVDs. Yeah, I'm looking at my shelves right now, and I know for a fact that, like, I've done that with, like, some of the Rick and Morty seasons, because they're only, like, Mm -hmm. 10 or 9 episodes long, and so I just put the Blu-ray in and just let it run while I'm sitting in here watching it. Like, I've done that multiple times, or um, older shows, uh, I got, yeah, older TV shows tend to be, or, like, older sitcoms at least, were, like, you know, 22 to 25 episodes per season. And so that got really hard to binge in one day, unless you're Alex with your nine-hour marathons. But shows <laughs> like um, like Aqua Teen, I definitely have done that in a day. I think I've done, like, season one of Breaking Bad in a day, because it's only, like, six yeah. episodes. Um, and they're, like, 40 minutes long, because it was on real commercial tv um, it was on real tv well, it was on tv where like they had to, an yeah. hour-long episode isn't 55 minutes an hour-long yeah. episode is 40 minutes or something like I that i knew what you meant yeah um i've watched all of the alley i'm just going through my, my my dvds now i've watched all of the alley g show in one sitting that's also like a british show that's six episodes long so it doesn't really Makes count sense. um things like that like this like shorter things but i don't think i've ever yeah. done like a nine hour binge of anything Oh, I definitely have. I I was about to say, I think I've watched all of Cowboy Bebop in one sitting, which is probably like 12 hours. Is that the optimal way to watch it? Um, <laughs> it well, it wasn't the first time I watched it. So like, Fair. it was probably like the 10th time I was watching it. And I was just like, yeah, hey, I have nothing to do today. I'm going to watch all of Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> I've definitely binged some seasons of South Park as well, because those later ones are only like 10 to 13 episodes, so that's easy yeah. to do. Um, are there shows that I can binge until I just can't anymore? Yeah, a lot of comedies, if I'm watching it for the first time, um, like I remember, semi-bad example, but when Tiffany and I were watching the Goldbergs for the first Ugh. time, and last time, but it got to a point where like we were watching it, and we were just binging it, and like every episode either felt the same or was just like no longer funny. And I was like, I, I, I can't do it. And I think because we binged that show is the reason that we just like screeched to a halt. Same thing no. with, um, that show is just fucking awful. That too. Um, same thing with <laughs> the first season was fine. Uh, same thing with Brooklyn nine, nine. Um, yep. we binged that like yep. first season and it was, then we started noticing like weird camera issues Ugh. or, like the repetitiveness of like the cutting and we were just like can't do it anymore and so that show was also a binge that we had to stop watching so yeah i cannot handle the zoom cut the zoom stuff in brooklyn 99 it's fucking sloppy and i hate it and it makes that show unwatchable for me which sucks because that cast is so great and the comedy is so funny but i cannot watch it it's just it's so annoying how about yourself, Alex? Are there any shows that you've binged <laughs> until you can't anymore? But this says, what are your favorite shows to binge? Not, uh, not oh, I was just... talking about bad stuff. See, see yeah. the, the show I was going to talk about is one that I love, and it was um, Community, which is, like, mm. I I remember the first time I watched Community, 
I think three seasons had already aired. Two or three seasons had already aired. And I binged all three seasons. I want to say it was three. And then I got to the end and I went, there's no more. So I just went back to the beginning and binged all three seasons again and kept doing that until season four started airing. And then I started watching that. Uh, and I, I could still binge the shit out of that show. That's an amazing show. And I did a very similar thing with Psych. Kind of like, I think you we've talked about this, Dwight, with, with Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Every time a season started, you would rewatch the rest of the seasons. Mm-hmm. I did that with Psych. When uh, like a new season was starting, I'd just be like, oh man, I really want to rewatch Psych. So I would binge all the seasons up until that point. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say Breaking Bad for that for me. And right now for both Tiffany and I is it's absolutely what we do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows. We, that is something yep. where we have, we've. there's only two seasons out right now and there are only 20, 20 episodes total. But like we'll get to the end of the last season and we'll just restart the first season again. Like we, that, we're just looping it. Or we're not right now, but we have just like looped it before. And it's it's so good. There's like three or four shows that are in constant loop rotation for Tiffany and me. Um they are in no particular order. Futurama, The Office, Bob's Burgers, Scrubs occasionally, um, and Sunny. Uh, those are like the five that we tend to go to. What else? Parks and Rec. Oh, yes. Parks. <laughs> Stupid, dumb, fuck me. Of course. So that's that. Stupid. That's Stupid, dumb, fuck you. Yes. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid, uh, dumb, fuck me. With stars, because I, I don't want to put the word fuck in a title. Right, right. I, I get it. Um, okay, so he uh, Jesse then wrote another email, I assume l- further listening into the, the pre- previous episode. Uh, felt like I had to clarify spooky game definition. Noun. Uh, a game that has spooky elements, Specter of Torment, Castlevania, Friday the 13th, scary game, verb. That I'm adding those uh, flares. I know you are. <laughs> you do, but the, the audience doesn't. Uh, oh. Scary game. Something that has jump scares and is actively trying to scare you. Resident Evil 7, Silent Hill, Slender Man. I, I, I think I understand what he's saying here. Like uh, an atmosphere or a setting that just ha- happens to be like generally horror um, right. is more of a spooky game as opposed to a game that is like actively trying to frighten you. Um, which is interesting because a lot of the ones that he, he mentioned here, I feel are they're old games or have a retro aesthetic to them. So I, I don't believe that. Eh, okay. I take it back. There are some games with retro aesthetics that can outright be scary to you. Um, but I don't know how, often they are especially older games i feel like they were more limited although then again i've never actually played clock tower so fuck me i guess um you, you mean listening to you mean that's not scary it's just spooky i'm seriously considering speedrunning that game go out i don't know what you were just singing that's the theme or the background music for friday the 13th on the nes that a game that I played as a kid and I had no fucking clue one what Friday the Thirteenth was. I was like, I have no idea what this is. Two, I didn't know what to do. I was so confused. It was just walking around. It was very weird. So, um, but I remember that music ingrained in my mind forever. I actually, I actually recently had a conversation with somebody 
about uh, the difference between spooky and scary movies because specifically because of a TV show we had just watched. That's a good segue. Is that your good segue? Is it Alex was- keeping us on track today? <laughs> oh boy, am I. <laughs> so what TV show are you talking about? Alexander. Wow, Alexander. Man, what are you, my mom? Mm. Alexander. Uh, For those of you living under a rock, uh, last Friday, October 9th, saw the release on Netflix of the much-anticipated anthology sequel to The Haunting of Hill House called The Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, Yeah? Is, Do I, yeah. So so does this make this series now just called The Haunting? Is that the name yes. of the series? That is what they call the series. Okay. They call it The Haunting ser- Anthology Series is what okay. most people refer to it as. Um, and from what I understand, there were like subtle nods towards Hill House throughout this series, um, but nothing that really tied it together. We can, uh, We can get there. What, yeah. what is Haunting of Bly Manor, Alex? So The Haunting of Bly Manor is a nine episode, nine episodes, right? Nine episode yeah. uh, series released by Netflix, uh, directed by uh, Mike Flanagan. He didn't um, direct all of them. Sorry, uh, written mostly by and show run by uh, Mike Flanagan and like directed by many people, but... Yeah. Um, it, the basic plot of the show is a woman from the United States is in the UK and she becomes a nanny for these two kids who are orphans who, uh, live in Bly Manor. So she goes to be the live-in nanny. Uh, and it's kind of about the supernaturalness of the house (laughs) um and about the relationships between all of the staff at bly manor and these children and other people who are dead (laughs) i I, I think how did i do that's great very well I think one of my favorite things about these shows in general is like they're they don't fuck around with like do ghosts exist? Yes. Like there's there's no like are they hallucinating? Are they not seeing it? Nope. There's ghosts. Right. That's that's just a thing. It that happens. It's like it's like they set that up in they did the same thing in Hill House. Uh, it was like they yeah. set that up from episode one. It's just like in our world, ghosts exist. These people believe in ghosts to a certain degree uh some of them might write it off at first but like it's just ghosts are real you get to see them like immediately and just go from there Mm -hmm. and that's that's something that i definitely like about the this uh anthology series so um before we get super far into this because i have a feeling at least i know i'm not going to be restraint on spoilers at oh, all yeah. really yeah um yeah. so why don't we give just our overall impressions like positive negative okay. 
and then we can go full into spoilers because the show right. is still mm-hmm. less than a week out at this point. Uh, yeah. But yep. we've all finished it. Um, it is on Netflix, so if you want to go watch it and then come back and listen, uh, it's nine episodes, like Alex said, so nine hours yeah. of your time. I, fair enough. Um, Tiffany, where did you fall on The Haunting of Bly Manor? Um, my spoiler-free hot take is I liked it, kind of. I didn't enjoy it as much as The Haunting of Hill House. I liked some of the the themes and some of the the elements um but then there were other elements that were used that i didn't love um Mm. that took me out of the story a little bit but like ultimately ultimately i ended up enjoying um like what it was trying to do i just don't know if it was as executed as well as it could have been absolutely is that a good good hot take that was wonderful I think that is a perfect take Um, to to add on to what Tiffany said, because I agree with everything she said. um, I think that one of the biggest faults of blind manor, and I'm going to compare it a lot to Hill house because it's trying to do a very similar thing to Hill house, but with different themes, Mm -hmm. it's basically trying to do the same thing as Hill house, honestly, but with different themes to, to a certain degree. That's how I would, Okay. explain it that's fair um but i mean we can talk more about yeah. the yeah. the real differences but for me the biggest difference and the reason why it is significantly inferior to hill house mm-hmm. is that i didn't feel the cohesion in the story as yep. much as hill house like yep. each yep. individual episode didn't feed into the overarching story as nicely like it didn't feel like a puzzle being put together mm-hmm. yep. which is how i would kind of describe hill house where like the finale of hill house was like um very satisfying because like all those pieces had been slotted in and you get the payoff whereas when this one ended i was like you know what i liked a lot of the stuff that it showed me individually but it didn't really feed the overall narrative in a cohesive way that really felt satisfying to me. So that's fair. Like where I can't, I, I I mean, I'll talk about specifics once we're into spoiler territory, but like, I can't super fault a lot of episodes for specific reasons, but uh, my biggest issue with the show is that overarching ness that Mm -hmm. just didn't land with me. This show to me feels like a uh, a compliment sandwich, which is where you start with something <laughs> really, really positive, and then you yeah. have something very kind of negative or critiquing in the middle, and then you end on something positive. Yeah. Uh, I think this the, I think this show starts off incredibly strong. I think this show ends incredibly strong. I think it kind of falters in the middle. I don't think it knows exactly what it wants to say or knows exactly mm-hmm. how it wants to structure itself. And speaking mm-hmm. of structure, I have an issue with a lot of the pacing of this show because there are at least two or three episodes where I feel like it grinds the entire story to a screeching halt yep. to Absolutely. explain something very specific that uh, is not as well handled as it could be. Um, And there's, there's one episode like that, that I loved. There's one episode like that, that I was just like not engaged with enough to want to continue through. Um, However, I really liked the characters in this show. I thought um, the, the child, the child, the children actors were very good. 
Um, I do not think they were as good as the children actors in Hill House, which is a little Mm -hmm. sad. Um, I think the boy specifically um, was phenomenal in in this one. Um, The the way he was able to handle the the, uh, material that they had for him was very good. I absolutely adored um the main character danny i thought that she was uh phenomenal um i really wasn't thrilled with the idea of um the supporting cast themselves because it felt they felt relatively loosely connected to each other but not like in the first show it's all about like this tight-knit family bond and it's almost like a shorthand for past relationships. Whereas this one, they have to build that up over Mm -hmm, the course of it. And I think that that takes some doing as well. Um, But overall, like I said, I very much enjoyed the beginning. I very much enjoyed the ending, which is arguably the most important parts of a story. Um, And it was, it was overall, I'm very positive on it. It may be a little forgettable for me though. I don't know how well this one's going to stick with me as compared to Hill House. Yeah. I think in terms of like, um, I, I guess I we should touch on performances before we like. That's like, a non-spoiler thing you can do. In, in in terms of broad strokes, but like like the performances in the show were all really mm-hmm. solid to me. Like, I I do have some issues with some of the accents. Accents. Um, they some of them are so bad. It wasn't even necessarily <laughs> that they were so bad. It's that they were very inconsistent. Like. Um, for example, Oliver Jackson Cohen, who was Luke, Luke in uh in Hill House, he comes back as this character called Peter Quint, who is this very Scottish character. And Oliver Jackson Cohen, for those of you who don't know, is British. He's he's English. So I, I was actually really su- I was really surprised when I found out because I was like, oh, he did so good as Luke, and I just assumed he was American. No, he's British. So I kind of had high expectations for him. I was like, oh, man, he's going to have a great accent and it's going to be great. And I was already kind of low on it because I was like um, Henry Thomas, who plays. I think he plays Henry. Henry's Henry Henry Wingrave, I think, is the Henry Thomas is the actor plays Henry Wingrave. And his accent was horrid. He was terrible. So bad. It was and, like, why did and, you cast him in this? And he's like the first person in the show that you could like hear their accent. And I was like, oh shit. And then like, I was like, oh, Oliver Jackson Cohen, he'll have a great accent. And then his Scottish accent was good, but very inconsistent. He fell in and out of it. Yeah. And like certain words sounded more British than Scottish. And yeah. It was very jarring, and I feel like a lot of the accents were like that. Like Carla Gugino, if that's how you pronounce her name, I honestly have no idea. As the storyteller, um, her accent was pretty, I, I would say, worse worse than Oliver Jackson Cohen's. Hers was inconsistent and kind of terrible. Um <laughs> And, but and like, most of her stuff was voiceover, so they had like yeah. an infinite number of times to get that right. Yep. Uh, so... I think that's my biggest complaint about performances were accents. Uh, but in terms of acting, like the them portraying the characters and bringing the characters to life, I thought everyone was amazing. Like, yeah. I, I, I really fell in love with these characters and the cast. And I was very impressed because 
part of me wanted to see more of the character or more of the actors from Hill House and see them take on new roles because that was fun with Victoria Pedretti as Danny and Oliver Jackson Cohen and Henry Thomas, like people we've already seen. But like, I would have loved to see more people, which we we did see one or two way later, but we'll talk about that. (laughs) Spoilers. Um, but I would have liked to just see more of them. And then I met, met the characters we got. And I was like, you know what? These are great actors. I want to see them in the next season. Tiffany, you were going to say something about Nell. Yeah, we slash... didn't even realize. We didn't even realize that. Um, what's her last name? Victoria. What's her last name? The one Victoria who played. Victoria Pedretti. We didn't even realize that was her until oh, like yeah. eight episodes. Yeah, in. yeah so... it, it was like right before the end. <laughs> I was like. Wait. And so, then it was all um, I could see was Nell. Yeah. Yeah. For those listening, Victoria Pedretti played Nell in Hill House, which was like the launching off point for the uh, yeah. the entire story. Uh, her death, which happened nice in the first episode. So it was nice to see her in more episodes of this one. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just flashbacks or as a ghost. Uh, right. It's very nice. Tiffany, is there anything specific else that you want to talk about? I also, I was writing notes while we were talking about this because I have a couple points. I I agree with Alex on the accents. At first, I thought it was just me. I was like, is this, is he trying to do uh, Scottish, Irish? I don't understand what this is. I was very confused and they weren't all consistent. I'm like, where? Um, I found myself doing that. Um, The kids, though, like... The little girl is really great, but the the little boy that played um, Miles was so good. I and I, I know Dwight, you already said it, but just like to be that young and to handle that kind of heavy of a thing, I mm-hmm. thought was he did a really great, a really great job of it. And I was really impressed. And anytime you have kids and stuff like this, it's it's always a crapshoot. Like yep. it could either like this. I feel like they probably took a little bit more time to cast because there's such such a main focus of the story but like sometimes little kids being in stuff you're just like they're feeding them lines on the side and they're just reading them but like this kid like i like there's parts in the in the show and we'll talk about it in the spoiler section but like i could physically see like a change i was like wow this kid is like this kid's good i I think it was like the fact that one moment I wanted to like hug him and then the next moment <laughs> I wanted to punch him in the face. And I'm like, that's how, you know, he's given a great performance. Um, I had one other thing too, and it's not really about performances, but just like the settings, it felt so much smaller than Hill House because so much of it was so isolated to this one thing. And I felt like we were seeing the same rooms and the same sets and the same, like it didn't feel, and I I think that's part of it, but like the house itself doesn't feel as much of a character as like Hill House does. Um, Like like I I was, yeah. Sorry. I would have liked like a, like a long pan shot or something like we got in Hill House that establishes the, the layout Mm -hmm. gives us, gives us a feeling of we have been in the house mm-hmm. we know the layout of the house where things are from each other like i couldn't right. tell you how many times i was just like where the fuck is the kitchen from the related front related to yeah like, I, you don't like, you don't get that I, I don't get it how do you get from the front door to the kitchen whereas in hill house i knew it like from the first episode this one i was just like okay we often see characters in the kitchen we often see them come in the front door and we often see them somewhere in between, but we never see how those things connect. 
the other part that's frustrating about that is like you see the outside you see the exterior shot and this place is fucking huge and it doesn't feel like that on the inside it's like the opposite of a TARDIS like you get inside and you're like oh okay they had this one hallway set they had these two rooms like you don't it's this giant manor this giant sprawling place and and we have five rooms yeah it just like yeah that was something that disconnected for me I also feel like this this wasn't as ambitious as um, mm-hmm. Hill House was, which I think is actually to this uh, to the story's um, credit. Um, yep. You have something like Hill House where there was a lot of like stylish stylistic choices. Um, there was that one very flashy episode that everybody was talking about. And so I can imagine going into a show like this, having a lot of pressure to replicate something of that type. Um, I think it was like to their credit that they kind of, that they got different directors, they got different, you know, visions coming in here. And they basically just told a really straightforward ghost story, um, which I can appreciate because then you're not, I feel like it's um, similar to uh, like Daredevil. Uh, In the, the first season of Daredevil, there's this one fight scene that's, one take, uh, he goes through this hallway, and then I haven't actually watched the remainder of it, so I might be speaking out of my ass, but if I'm not mistaken, they try to replicate that in basically every season going forward, something of that nature. I might be wrong, yeah. but... I, I mean, kind of, yeah. Yeah, so, like, that's something where, like, they're they're being crushed by the weight of their own, like, um, style, whereas yep. this, they were able to, like, just say, nope, we're going to make this its own thing, we're not going to worry about what the other one was, so I... Yeah very much applaud them for that because that is a difficult thing to try and like reach your own heights. Um, I still don't think they reach the same heights and I, but I don't think it's because of that. Um, It's also felt with this not being very stylistic um, while the manor itself is beautiful and uh, the grounds are like haunting and chilling, especially when you get some of the fog rolling over it and all the shit at night is really, really cool. I didn't feel like the cinematography was like anything really to write home about. Mm -hmm. It all felt very, standard and boilerplate um which i'm sure it's still there's still a lot of work that goes into it but nothing i can't think of a single shot that like holds my attention outside of a couple of like shock reveals or um you know i guess there's one specific shot where it the camera lingers for a little while and then you kind of like oh something's gonna happen and then something moves um ghost stories uh but like those are really the only like distinctive shots i can think of nothing else like kind of stands out to me and i noticed this is something that they did in the first season of hill house there's one specific episode i'm thinking of um and i forget the it's like the the there are people who are i don't know what even what they do there's some caretakers or something but there's this one monologue where like the camera is so slowly zooming in and you don't notice it while he's giving this really really serious monologue there were a couple moments of that in in Bly and I think that's like a that those would be the two shots that I was like oh they're doing that thing and like now I'm like so aware of it now but I love I love those moments but I agree there was like nothing I mean we're trying to make this feel I think this goes back to my thing it's a house didn't feel like it was like a thing it was just like big house like isn't anything to like make it feel grand and spooky and and like elevated and other than like the shots maybe like you know them driving up to it like at the very beginning but like there was nothing that was like oh look at this like you know i don't know 
You, Dwight, you were pointing at me a lot during that. Oh, no. My, my, that, that pin's actually for the spoiler section. Oh, okay. Cool. Okay. Um, pin for spoilers. Oh, I had one other thing I wanted to say before we went into spoilers, and now I've forgotten. So take it away, Sam. Uh, spoiler section incoming in uh, five, four, three, <laughs> two. One. Hello and welcome to No Refunds. My name is Dwight and joining me this week is... What time is it? Spoiler time, baby! <laughs> we are spoiling <laughs> a movie. Oh, so cheesy, I you love would, it. You would almost think we planned that. <laughs> but, but we did not. I was, did not. I was honestly very confused. I thought I'd gone back in time. I, I thought I'd been tucked away in a memory of one oh. hour ago. Oh, back when I was when I was only thirty three and a half. No, but not... t- but no, but Tiffany, in the, in the memory, you're twenty eight. Right. Oh shit. Spoilers you... for both. So, so I'm just gonna get right into it. My, I'm gonna get right into my pin. Um, I think that the yeah. reason that the house doesn't feel like such a character is because in the first show in Hill House, the house is like a genuinely evil entity. And in the in Bly, it's not it's the not. house that is the evil entity. It is one of the ghosts that's haunting it that specifically is is causing it. And I think that's part of the reason why. Although one of the issues with this is you don't find out that ghost's deal until the very end. So it's like this what is going on? It's a it's an amorphous threat uh, that you just feel is lingering, and for ha- over half the show, you feel like the threat's Peter, but it's not yeah. apparently. It's and not. even though he was yeah. still a dick shit, whatever. yeah, I, we're I, gonna talk some shit about Blind Manor right now. We liked it. I still want to say I really it. liked it, but I'm critical. We liked it, but we're gonna talk some shit. We're gonna be real critical. <laughs> I feel like it was a huge missed opportunity making the lady in the lake the like big bad. Because they did such a good job of setting up Peter Quint as this real asshole, this Mm -hmm. real manipulative, emotionally abusive, like, piece of shit who murders his girlfriend so he doesn't have to be alone in the afterlife, which is so fucked up. And, like, I was so on board for Peter Quint as the villain. And then... Like at the end of episode seven, episode eight starts and they're just like Lady of the Lake the whole time. And then episode nine happens and then it's just Lady of the Lake's dead. Peter Quint's gone forever. We don't like it's just you don't really get a resolution to that story that was boiling from the beginning. Like you had um, Becca. Becca was her name. Becca. Uh, Bex, uh, Miss uh, Gressel, Jessel, Miss Jessel, sorry, Miss Jessel and Peter Quinn. And you, you have them as like a story that's like seated at the very beginning and you slowly get reveals about kind of what happened and you get Peter Quinn's story and then you get Beck's story and you start to learn like just how abusive Peter Quint was and then you get the the second half of their episode which was called like uh two faces part two or something Mm -hmm. i can't remember what it was called and then and then you get the part where peter quint's like oh we're gonna live in your bodies (laughs) to the kids and you're just like oh holy shit he's manipulated bex into being evil like him but it turns out she's good and like i wanted 
that to be the end of the show. Like I wanted the resolution to that, but mm -hmm. I like, I, I felt like if the lady of the lake stuff, like I liked the episode that was, um, uh, like, uh, we were talking about earlier, Katie Siegel, I think. Yeah. Is yeah she was the, the psychic one in the first. <laughs> show, right. right. She was Theo, Theodora in, in mm -hmm. season one of Hill house. She's married to Mike Flanagan. She plays Viola, whatever her last name is. Um, and she ends up being the lady in the lake who you see a couple times throughout the show. Uh, they give her backstory in episode eight. The whole episode Love is it. her backstory, which is a very interesting story that I wish I had either been parsed. Mm -hmm. I wish I had either been given it in, in pieces over the course of the story. Like maybe Danny is finding diary entries from a character and you get like flashbacks as she's reading mm -hmm. parts of it and she finds it over the course of the story. Mm -hmm. So that way, like, I don't feel like it's a huge break in the story because episode, oh. sorry, I, I, I'm talking so much, but like episode seven ends with Danny getting grabbed by the lady in the lake. And then I don't get a resolution to that for another hour and 15 minutes yeah. right yeah because i have an entire episode of backstory the the, the two stories don't mesh like the mm -hmm. the the resolution of the main story that we've been following for eight or seven episodes like peter being a dick and like the haunting of this house and like the possession of miles like um right. like that whole like insidiousness is like is miles himself at this point is he not like it, figuring that out throughout i'm sure a rewatch would be fun in that sense but that yep. story's resolution has nothing to do with the actual plot of the show we find out in yep. one episode which yeah. is about the lady in the lake and how she has her malevolence or just her like her fucking rage and anger has like mutated her into this like being of hatred um that is now infecting this uh this manner and yeah. it like so once she is placated in some form that breaks the spell and everything that peter has been doing up until this point just stops and that mm -hmm. i didn't even articulate that like when i was thinking about the show until like right yeah. this moment the the disconnect between those two stories is sloppy and yep. not satisfying um i i think um so we didn't talk about this earlier but like the concept of the show as a whole is mostly based off of one novella called the turn of the screw by henry james um yep. but they did tie in other of his short stories and stuff so i wonder if a lot of the disconnects that we are seeing in the show come from just like dropping in elements of other stories that just didn't work when they tried to put it in because I could totally see the lady in the lake story being its own story on its own. And they were like, Oh, let's drop this into the turn of the screw and try and make it work. And I just don't think the payoff worked. I don't, I, it, like you said, there's a huge disconnect and it just doesn't feel right. I had read something about turn of the screw after this and one of the complaints, even at the time it was written, was that it just was, like, kind of bland. Yep. Um, like, the characters weren't fleshed out, and it was just kind of, like, even, like, even at the time, people were like, eh, it's a good mm -hmm. ghost story, I guess. So, like, that shows that they didn't have, even with the source material, they didn't have a ton to work with. Like, they had to fill in gaps. Yep. So that's just, like, an interesting, like, 
thing to know that this was not uh, this story was not a fully fleshed out like really articulated story it was just like it's a ghost story it's a little short thing and like trying to build in those other things is is super difficult and i don't think they did a great job yeah yeah go go, i was gonna say i i think um Actually, what I'm going to say kind of shifts the conversation. So if you want, I was all I was also going to shift. Okay, the perfect. Um, so I I I th- so hold on to your thought. So I think a lot of this show, in my opinion, would benefit from a rewatch at this point, specifically because I think the last episode really contextualizes the theming of the mm-hmm. entire show, which I yeah. personally interpret it as um, living with and um, accepting and. Um, dealing with a mental illness, especially one that you are aware of in the back of your mind, because at the end, so spoilers for the end, we're in the fucking spoiler section. We're in spoilers. So, so once yeah. Danny, the way that Danny breaks the spell uh, or the, breaks the, the curse or whatever you want to call it, she accepts, um, it, she does what Peter was doing where she accepts uh, the, the lady of the lake into her. And then she like starts carrying her with her for the rest of her life. And she, she mentions this thing where she can like, I can feel her at the back of my mind. And that to me is like either like a depression or some sort of like an, an, an uh, inkling or a nod because she goes through the rest of her life, like mostly normal and like mostly fine. And then she gets like these flashes of the lady. She gets these flashes of like not feeling herself. And it's, it strikes me as something like that where you're like, you know, you're barreling towards something or you have, even with like this great support system and, and this amazing like life that you can be living, like there's still sometimes so much like overwhelmingness that you can't really handle. Um, so I think that that was, so going back now and if like, I think about like that as the context for what the ghosts represent or what, um, like the children are going through because there's a lot of like grief and a lot of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just like death and stuff like that in this in this whole show. Uh, I think that that would contextualize a lot of it for me, and that is what I believe this whole show is actually about. Personally, you can go. You can go, Tiffany. I, Sorry, I, she, I had one thing just because, like, I not everybody's watched it, but rolling up my sleeves, getting into part. This. Part of like some of the stuff is like like when Peter dies and stuff is is him figuring out, and we don't see it, but he's figuring out how being a ghost works. And that's why they're trying to possess the bodies of the kids because that's the only way, like not even just possess. Cause there's this whole thing about like letting demons in and there's a, there's a, we can talk about that after. Um, Cause I think that relates to what you were saying, Dwight, but like the, in order for like the ghosts uh, of Peter and Bex to like leave, they have to be fully accepted into the bodies of the kids. They can't just like, cause they have the ability to like touch them and like possess them but they don't have the like full ability. They have not been welcomed into their bodies. So that's what's happening at the end is that it's like this, not just like, okay, I accept you. It's like, I am welcoming you into my body. And I think mm-hmm. that, I think that was a, not something you missed, right. But like it even illustrates even more that like idea of like living with a mental illness that you know about if that's, right. I didn't necessarily, I, I mean, I got those vibes. I don't think that's necessarily a theme of it, but I like that concept. Yep. It's very Babadook, but like the idea of fully accepting and being like, yes, this is, I'm saving other people by fully accepting that this is now part of me. Um, but that was a mechanic I think that needs to be explained a little. My name's Tiffany. I don't like horror movies. Let me name drop, drop Babadook. Alex- it's not really oh. a name drop. <laughs> for, for me, um, 
and I think the the living with mental illness is an uh, an interesting like way to look at it. For me, the big theme takeaway, like like Hill House, I think the big theme was grief and how people deal with living with grief and living with trauma. Um, and it was kind of a each character kind of dealt with what happened to them as a child differently. And it was kind of about seeing how each of them deals with it and then seeing them come together and how that works. For me, this show was doing the same thing, but with love, it, which is why I think it dealt, it had a uh, more colorful palette than Hill House did and had um, a, like less, uh, how did you phrase it earlier, Dwight? Um, less stylized shots. It was more just like, trying to give you uh, the way that each person sees each other normally. It wasn't trying to be stylized. It was trying to be um, just like real. Like plain uh, and straightforward. Is, real. Right. Um, so like I, I, the thing that I took from every episode is every, every episode was its own little love story. And I really enjoyed it from that perspective because like um, they, they always say, or one of the things that I remember learning in school is like the Greeks had seven words for love and there was different, seven different types of love. And like this show was trying to show you the different ways to love someone. You know, you have one episode that's all about miles trying to like get away from school, which was really about his love for his sister, which we find out later. Or you have an episode that's all about Henry dealing with his demons, but it's really about his love for Flora, who's his mm -hmm. daughter. Um, you have the episode that's all about the lady in the lake, which is about her love for her daughter and really her hatred for her sister. Yep. Um, and then the last episode's all about Danny's love for Jesse and Jesse's or Jamie, Jamie's Jamie. her love for Jamie and Jamie's love for Danny. And then you have like a quote-unquote love story about Peter and Bex, which was really about Bex loving Peter and Peter being a piece of shit. <laughs> but, like, I feel like so many different types of love are exemplified in the show and shown, like, Owen and, or Hannah's kind of mm. unrequited love. or I, I think love. Owen loved her back. Yeah. I think he did, but I think it was she didn't speak it, so nobody ever said anything, but she was much more obvious about it. Um, but like that, that's another love story that I didn't really touch on, but it, I think it's, it's definitely a theme that you see in literally every episode. And it, to me is kind of the core of the show. Um, and I felt, I really enjoyed that, that theme going through. And I feel like that was what mm. kept me invested in the show the most was that theme so that's what i wanted to say <laughs> i agree with you i that's a, that's a perfect take i 100 agree with that i like that we've all pulled out something different from it because like my my sticking point and my theme that i was kind of going with was like the concept of the ghost like where they were literally fading away and like forgetting like there was so much so much in this show about memories and and even like something like with Owen's mom dying we don't we never see but we 
have are told she dies of Alzheimer's and just like that concept of losing yourself and forgetting all of who you are but maybe also there's a, a version of that where you're like you're becoming the most pure version of yourself and nobody really knows so like I took away or I took a lot of these these themes of like fading away and like forgetting forgetting who you are and like some of these people in death like the lady of the lake character just like just being driven by base emotions and rage and and hatred and just kind of forgetting what her goal was Mm -hmm. um and even a concept of like because the whole thing is framed around um jamie's character telling the story and just that idea of like keeping stories alive and keeping names, you know, keeping these things alive and, and telling these things and sharing these things and passing these things down so people don't get forgotten. Mm-hmm. A, a weird take maybe, but like that's just something that I kept coming back to was like the dreams, the memories, the literal fading away of people. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if anyone else got that, but write in, email us. No, <laughs> Tell I, me I'm not I, crazy. <laughs> I, I think that everything we've brought up is that is valid. It's a valid takeaway from the show. Um, I'm obviously the most right, so I, suck it. <laughs> I think you are. Um, I'm not like because mm-hmm. I, I I 100% agree oh, yeah. with you. Um, because like when as soon as you said love, I was like, oh yeah, fuck, that's it. You're right, 100. Um, percent I mean, uh, like I I I, I, I just want to make it clear to the listeners, I was joking when I said I was the most right, but I'm the most right. Uh, is what Dwight say? But like I I think that that is. One of the things, like we talked about on our last episode, it's always interesting to watch something and think about how, like, how, what the themes are mm-hmm. and talk to people about it. Like, when I finished this show, I think I was most excited. I, like, I finished it and I was like, cool, that was a good show. Like, I was like, solid seven, seven and a half out of ten. Like, maybe even an eight. Like, I was, I liked it. And I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to rewatch it anytime soon, but I can't wait to talk to people about it. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I was so excited because I felt like there was a lot of stuff to talk about, like, like themes, like talking about memory and, and, and like mental illness. I never really even thought yeah, about that one, but like, one. that's a really good thing that I just didn't, I didn't see. I, I Oh, so I win. Uh, no. Um, no, I think that's a sign of a good, like even though we're not like you know we have plenty of issues with it i think that's a sign of a a well done piece of media where people mm-hmm. are able to pull out different things from it yeah. and it's not so obvious like oh yeah this is about love and this is about mental illness or this is it, or whatever it's like right. everybody is pulling different things out or resonating with different characters or resonating with different plots i'm sure there are people that watched it and have been in an abusive relationship and resonate with that story. Like I'm sure there's people who have a mental illness and are resonating and see themselves in there. You know, there's a whole like, you know, a whole like lesbian storyline. Like it's so great to see that on screen and see that play out. And like, I'm sure there are people that were like, yes, I see myself that in that story. And I love that. In 1987, no less, which is. Yeah. But it's like so great. Like there's a lot of stuff even about like addiction, like with Henry's character, with the alcohol and that, Mm -hmm. that's that deem like the literal split personality, like that other person sitting on his shoulder and like, demons and things like like inner demons like there's a lot of different things to pull out of it um that was the other love story that i forgot to mention the love uh the platonic love between danny and ed ed was that the name of her 
Oh, Edmund. Yes. Yeah, Eddie. Eddie. Uh, Eddie which her, was a her, plot line that I didn't fiance. Really... Yes, the friendship love. I, it's platonic love. Yeah. Uh, like, I really... I really liked that story. I felt like they dropped it a little early for me yeah. or dropped too much of it too early. Like I, like I feel the same way about that episode as I do about the lady of the lake episode. I like, mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen pieces of the Parts story of before I saw the whole thing mm-hmm. because I found Eddie's character like showing up all the time, really interesting and then once they showed it, it felt like he showed up a lot less and wasn't as impactful on the story. Well, they, once she burned the glasses, he was gone forever, right? Like, right. That was he was it. gone. Yeah, he was gone forever. But like, I she burned the glasses in like episode seven or <laughs> six or seven. Six, yeah. Yeah. It was towards the epi- end of the show. Yeah. Like, uh, but I felt like once they showed his episode like he lost all impact for me and in the first like two episodes he had a lot of impact for me well can we talk about the first two episodes because i thought the first two episodes so the way tiffany and i watched this show was two episodes then like a bunch of middle episodes and then the last up and then i think we watched like the last three episodes like kind of over a couple of days um but when we watched the first two episodes they were legitimately scary like they, they the tone that they set up um, it was really creepy and like the atmosphere and like so you find you see all these other like ghosts like the play I think I think there's an innate human fear that is like the last piece of our real evolution that we are just afraid of plague doctor masks like they are <laughs> fucking scary we know what they represent we know that, like that they just represent fucking death and yeah. decay mm-hmm. and it's disgusting yeah. so see every time you see a plague doctor you're like what the fuck happened here mm-hmm. um, so seeing that was, was creepy seeing like the dolls in the uh, in the basement and having one of them move um, yeah. and then like the attic when Flora like turned around and was like shh like scary fucking yeah. shit and then I feel yep. like everything after that was just not scary at all like yeah. I, I was Absolutely. barely scared going on from like third through the last one it, it's funny because I by the time you know because I have nothing better to do with my life by the time I had finished the show I when I was talking to people about it, I kind of let them lead the conversation mm-hmm. because I was done. And like Dwight and Tiffany, when I talked to you guys about it, you were like, "Man, it's scary, blah blah yeah. blah." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Like I don't quite see it that way. I think you said I don't see that. Yeah, I don't see that. But I was also done, and I was just like, the the first two episodes were a distant memory to me. Yeah, and, but I do remember really enjoying the tone of the first two episodes and then it kind of got away from that and stopped like the first two episodes felt like a straight up haunting story or a straight up ghost story and i was on board for that like a ghost story where you have all these ghosts you have the plague doctor you have the little kid you have the the moving uh, dolls was fucking the, scary. Like, why are these dolls moving? What's going on? Yeah, the lady up in the attic. You have the lady in the lake. You have Peter Quint. <laughs> you have Bex. Uh, like, you have all these ghosts. And then after the second episode, they start to explain stuff. And, like, the, every episode after that is really just, like, backstory intercut with stuff that's going on at the house. Um, and I feel like that's when it lost that creepy tone when it started to 
go back in time a lot and try and explain things to us. So I feel like, man, I don't know how I would want to fix this show to make it better. I feel like to a certain degree, like, like the one thing that I, I think would have helped is if the lady of the lake story had been parsed out through the show. I honestly think that that like, Dwight said was a big pacing issue mm-hmm. at the end to drop a, just a lore episode which felt weird and it was trying to contextualize something that I don't know particularly mattered at that time yeah because you were right uh, you're so more concerned with Danny being fucking choked to death because we've already right. seen the lady like kill somebody well, we're concerned that Danny's gonna get choked to death our literal main character and Miles is possessed by Peter yeah. Quinn at that yeah. time like I care about those two things. And, you know, Hannah's dead and she's been dead the whole time, which was like a reveal that I just went, wait, what the fuck? Dwight picked up on that so fast. As soon as she was introduced, I was like, she's dead. The first time that she was like, oh, I'm not hungry or I haven't been sleeping well and like not drinking anything. And I was, Dwight's like, she's dead. She can't eat. She's a ghost. They walked up to the well. She was like, oh, sorry, I was far off. And I was like, she's dead she's gone the, like that's it the the first time she didn't eat she was like oh i ate earlier i was like there's something wrong with yeah, her yeah you're dead I, I didn't immediately go that's a ghost i was like there's something wrong with her like may i i i think i f- at first thought she was a reanimated corpse like mm-hmm. maybe possessed by someone um but i was just like there's something wrong with her she didn't eat at that lunch and then she didn't have tea later and I was like okay I'm definitely on to something but then when she was drinking around the campfire I was like I started thinking like what the fuck is going on here and why the fuck if she is dead which at that point I think we knew or we know you find out the episode right after that we find out the episode right after I started to think like, okay, when we found out that Peter Quint was dead and a ghost, he couldn't interact with things, but Hannah's been able to interact with things this whole time. And then I started to question the logic of the show. <laughs> they, they, they explain that lazily with one, uh, one line right before, um, like it's right at the end, right before Peter or right before Miles as Peter shows uh, Hannah her body. Cause he's like, yeah. you were changing clothes. You had will. I didn't realize. And it's like, okay, we get it. There was a lot of issues with like the 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 ghost rules in this show. Like there, I agree with that. I was like, why? I don't. I love the concept of like learning to be a ghost and like learning what you can and can't do. But like they didn't spell that out completely, and and then like made exceptions for things. I'm like, I don't know if that makes sense. Tiffany, do you want to talk about one of the coolest visual aspects of the show that you picked up on? And I was like, holy fuck, that's amazing. So, and I want to go back and rewatch because I don't know if this happens throughout. So in, in the last episode, as Danny is leaving, um, there's a shot of her and she, I forget who she's hugging. You noticed it in the, uh, in the seventh episode. No, I didn't. I thought you did. (laughs) I you you mentioned something. Yes, about it. there was something. Someone it else. Was and Miles. I don't, it was Miles. It was Miles. Okay, it, I did because I came back to it. I think and you I was offhandedly like, mentioned it. I was like, "Does he?" Ah, and I just chalked it up to like whatever. But in the last episode, there's a shot of Danny. It's a close up. She's hugging someone and being like, "Bye, see you later." Henry. Sure. Yeah, I don't remember, but I was like, "Are her eyes two different colors?" 
they're fucking two different colors they they did that with miles earlier in the show and i was like his eyes are two different colors oh mm-hmm. it's fine and i never went back to it or, or noticed it again or really looked for it but i was like that's fucking clever and then it becomes more obvious throughout that towards the end of the episode. You're like, oh yeah, her eyes are different, two different colors because she's fucking possessed. But I liked that visual thing that wasn't in your face at first, mm-hmm. and it was really subtle. And I was like, yes. Yeah, so now yeah. I want to go back rewatch and like pay attention to Miles's eyes because when they're two different colors, that would indicate that he is possessed. And that's right. a really nice subtle visual thing that like benefits a rewatch. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I also and like sorry. I was just gonna say that whole thing was so well done with the Miles character because these kids have just lost their parents and they're and they're dealing with the death of their parents and and being little kids and trying to process that grief and understand what that is. And so it makes sense for them to act out violently yeah. or to, you know, do things that are out of character. So it was like a really great setup of that because it's like you could just write that off as like oh they, they, they just lost their parents like they're they're struggling like that's hard like that'd be hard that's hard for everyone like not just like especially for little kids who don't understand it so I, I thought that was like a really great thing anyway so I'd love to go back and be like oh he was possessed oh my god I I think the the real linchpin in <laughs> selling the Miles possession was having the the second episode the one that mm-hmm. kind of revolves around him at uh, prep school so scary because um, like is he possessed ep- this whole time be- because because he's not possessed because he's not yeah. at, at home so you yeah. you know now yeah. now you know that's him being him so you assume he's a piece of shit and because yep. he's using so, the language that Peter had with like I'm trying right. to find your key and that right. yes. So like, so you know he's a quote unquote. You know he's a piece of shit. You think he's a piece of shit from what he does at prep school, which you find out later was his way of getting back to Flora because he was worried about her because mm-hmm. he loved his sister because he was a great brother. But then, after seeing that, now you see him at home and he's being an asshole to Jamie. He's being an asshole to Danny. He's being an asshole to Hannah. Like he's just being a piece of shit all the time. And you're like man like you don't even question it because you've already they've already set up the character as being that kind of person so you don't really question it until like certain things when when he started like when he was smoking i was just like that's so weird Uh, and like the stuff where he was flirting with Danny, I'm like, he's yeah. possessed. He is not a ten year old boy right now. Yeah, that is I, not the way that a ten year old boy would handle himself. It's like I started to question it right around when the shoe dropped, and I was just like, that was that was perfectly done. I really, really enjoyed that. I feel like anytime you start to question something and then you immediately get an answer on it, it's like that's yep. clearly a very well set up or well executed. Yep piece of entertainment at that point that That, one that that really did it for me i really really liked that that kid though like at the end where he was like not possessed anymore and you physically see his body relax and i'm like oh my god he's so happy and full of joy like that whole time he's so tense and like you don't know and like just that physical presence of him in that last episode, I was like, wow, that kid, that kid fucking yeah. nailed it. <laughs> he it's, did it, awesome. It's, it's like he'd been constipated for two years and finally pushed <laughs> out like, like a, a turd, and he's just like, oh, man. 
that's like hard to do like that's a really that's a really impressive like acting thing to physically like change like your entire demeanor in just like a second and like have it not feel like you're like oh hey I'm possessed and be like oh I'm back to normal like it was so seamless like just like he had breathed out or pooped out a big poop like he was just like (sighs) I liked Owen a lot I feel like he didn't have a whole bunch to do though Yeah. He was so underused. I, I, I think yeah. one of my biggest issues with this show um, is that, like I was saying earlier, the connection of the characters, but at the same time, the cast felt really small. Like there was not a lot of principal characters. And if you go back to Hill House, Hill House also didn't have that many principal characters, but you were seeing them in two different time periods. So even though they were technically the same people, they felt different and they felt large in that way um as opposed to this which was like a very laser focused story i honestly thought this is like a stupid um just based on the trailers so on netflix when you like hover over bly manor or whatever and it starts playing whatever's there it's the shot of peter driving um bex to the manor in the car and he's wearing like this like it looks like a pinstripe suit with like suspenders and so i was looking at him like oh so this part of this show is going to like take place in like the 50s and we're gonna get like a whole different cast of characters because i thought he looked like someone in the 50s but no it was just one year earlier and i thought like something like that like seeing this manor over many many years and decades would have been interesting as um just like i feel like it would have like fleshed out the manor so much more as opposed to just you're telling me that like no one really figured out in like 200 years that something was going on with a ghost killing a bunch of people like come on yeah yeah that's true Uh, too i also uh you touched on something that i forgot i wanted to mention honestly during the non-spoilery part the when they are in london and they show all the cars those are all like 40s and 50s cars. Like those are not 80s cars. <laughs> and I was very confused as to the timeline of the show for like three episodes because the show starts in London and you see all these cars and it starts with the the like title card that's like 1987 and you're like, "Wait, what the f- what the fuck?" <laughs> Well, I, what did you think about the fact that they even used like a framing device for this show? Like the idea of it being a story that's being told. Um, I, I liked it a little bit, but yeah. I don't know that I needed it. You know, it, it, it felt a little unnecessary to the overall plot. I, I guess it, if our takeaway theme is love it makes sense that they want to tell this story that's all about love at a wedding, the wedding of one of the characters from mm-hmm. the story. So, like, I, I can understand that as a framing device. I don't know if it per- really landed for me or felt super necessary. Um, it felt a, a little like padding, honestly, which in a show that has pacing issues, I don't know that you need padding. <laughs> like, I... I- Eh. Tiffany and I rewatched like the the opening sequence of the first episode, like right after we finished it, and it opens like it it bookends perfectly with um with the with the shots because like the first few shots are of Jamie like waking up in the chair, looking in in the bathtub, and like looking in the sink, which is what she does at the end of this one. So it's like you get the idea of like her cyclical like what her life is at this point, which is neat. 
problem with that though is like and i think alex you had you had said this earlier like all oh, those first two episodes were like long gone like i didn't remember that i got to the end and i was like even though i just watched this over the course of like i didn't remember days, until we rewatched it so i didn't oh. remember that that happened so if they were trying to make that as something that would land I didn't get that because we we see her at the beginning of the show and we see her at the end and we hear her voice throughout, but we never, we don't come back to that. So it was just like a weird, like thinking about it now, that's really cool. And like taking it as an entire piece of media, that's awesome. But it didn't read in the moment. I was like, I did not remember that that's how that started at all. For, and um, maybe just me, I didn't think the whole, like Dwight had to be like, oh, it's them as, as adults. And I was like, none of this read to me at all that yeah. this was this, these were the same people at all. Brain. Like gets, get actors that actually maybe look like your characters. Maybe yeah. it just, it did not, there was a big disconnect for me there. And I, I'm very curious if other people feel that I, way. I, I felt the same way to a certain degree. I, I like, I, I thought the guy that played Owen kind of looked enough like Owen that I was like, oh, that must be Owen. That was the, the only one that, we figured out. The yeah. girl that was Flora, I didn't get. But the thing that really felt weird to me was the girl that played Flora and the guy that played Miles. The guy that played Miles looked younger than Flora. And he's supposed to be like four years older than her, three years older than her. I don't remember. She's eight and he's 10, I think. Okay. Then two years older than her. And he looked like six years younger than her. And maybe that's just, they aged differently. And like, you know, cause Tiffany looks 14 or whatever, but um, maybe that's just me, but like neither of them particularly looked like them. And yeah. the guy that played Henry looked just like an old man he yeah. didn't yeah. look like I, I didn't even know that he was supposed to be the father in the whole wedding thing until the very end when he's dancing with her i we i we figured out owen very quickly and throughout mm. the show we thought that jamie old jamie was danny and i was under the yeah. impression that she was possessed by bex this whole time and that was going to be like the big twist reveal that like yes danny escaped but she's possessed by bex and, she, and no one knows that's why she had the 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 accent because it didn't right. read as jamie to me at all it wasn't until we went like as soon as this story ends and we're back there and i was like that girl's definitely going to be flora and then because they, they like shut like show all of those people before they even get to the reveal and i'm like yeah i just put it okay that's it yeah got it still I, not, not it wasn't efficient or clean it was actually i yeah. thought i thought it was pretty in your face about what it was doing but. yeah it, it was definitely in your face about it like it it tried to hint at it which i would have been fine with if they just hinted at it when she was like man i thought that story might have been about us but like how could you have known that my middle name was flora yeah. and i was like oh that's a cool little nod at maybe that is Flora and like, but then they were just like, no, just in case you missed it. These are literally the people like they, I they, did miss it. Yeah. I did miss it. And I was like, Oh, but I yeah. still don't get it. Cause they don't look anything like anybody. And I was like, this is really bad. <laughs> See, I liked, I liked the idea that it was like us. It was up to your interpretation. If you want to believe that these people mm -hmm. that she's telling the story to are the people from the story and that she's Jamie. Like, I liked that idea that it was up to your interpretation. And then they kind of threw it in your face. And I was just like, okay, cool. I don't like, I honestly don't feel like the bookends added anything to the story Do that 
really mattered. Do you think if we had checked in with the storyteller throughout the story, like if we had like gone back to that framing device a couple of times, would that have altered your opinion? Or Maybe. I don't think it would have. Personally. I like I'm trying to think of how you could inject some importance into it like maybe if you come back to the storyteller and they're engaging in a dialogue with the rest of the group in some way because like and the group's I like mean, questioning the story or something like right, that, yeah. that would be fun. questioning the story or like or maybe because we we are led to believe that like Owen Owen remembers what happens. All the adults. Oh, the, the two adults there did. So Owen and Henry. So so uh, if Owen and Henry do remember, like it would have been nice to get hints of that. Yeah. In, like, maybe Miles or Flora asking a question, and Jamie being maybe a little flustered in how to answer, and like Owen or Henry like help with. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they've been it like, over. oh, I've heard this one before, and they right. like go into it. That would have been cool. Right. That that would have been cool, but like at the same time, I still don't know that it would have really made the storyteller like uh bookend to this worth it or framing device worth it uh, like i i look at that i like as at the framing device and i just go oh they just wanted to give carla gagino something to do <laughs> exactly 100 uh, percent. which then i just go like why couldn't you have done that for everyone in hill house maybe they didn't want to come back maybe they hated it so much they were like fuck this show i i would have loved to have seen like i i really loved the woman that played shirley in uh hill house and i would have loved to have seen her in this show in some capacity i don't remember she was the one who owned the mortuary right yeah she was the one that lived in oh yeah, yeah, yeah yeah uh i like overall good show uh absolutely like, I don't like, know, like, like with Hill House, I immediately went and rewatched it, mm-hmm. and I was really excited to rewatch it. This did not sit with me the same way. I finished it. I've stewed on it. I've clearly put a lot of thought into it, which I think once, like, like you said, Dwight, speaks to the quality of what was presented to me. Um, I don't know that it was um, as impactful as i wanted it to be but it was it was good it like like i said seven to eight out of ten you know quality show i i think it's worth your time i agree absolutely absolutely i like i would never tell somebody not to watch it i would say if somebody was gonna or was on the fence about it i would tell them not to expect it to be haunting of hill house because it's a very different animal it it kind of wears that on its sleeve from the first episode to a certain degree. Um, it does kind of lull you into a sense that it might be Hill House in the first two episodes, yeah. but then episode three really starts to differentiate it. Um, but I, if if people didn't like Hill House, first of all, you're a monster. Fuck Second you. of all, this might be more up your alley because it's a little less um, so. Actually, how I transitioned into this entire segment, I was talking to my friend about how they thought this show was scary 
And Good, that's all like, I wanted to hear was the answer to this. Why have we been talking they, about this show for so they, long? Please. They, they, they had only watched the first two episodes. They said, I like that this show is scary in a way that I never felt Hill House was. And I said, I feel like Hill House is about um, presenting an eerie atmosphere. And it's always supposed to be the eeriness seeps into their lives and it, it, it resonates throughout their lives. So you get eeriness when they're adults, when they're at their like mortuary, when they're at their home, when they're, you know, uh, just like out at the club picking up chicks. Um, and so like, I felt like Hill House was consistently eerie all the way through. Whereas this show, it was scary at first. And I think most people would agree to that. It felt like there were a lot of ghosts like spottings in the first couple episodes it was spooky or it was scary, not spooky, scary. And then it kind of fell back on that and started to become more of a spooky atmosphere, kind of like Hill House, but not quite the same kind of spooky. Mm -hmm. um, and it felt inconsistent in that tone, which was another thing that I, I wanted to touch on and never actually got around to saying, but I wish... Like I felt, I feel like the first two episodes and maybe the last, like the first half of the last episode, were were scary, whereas the rest of it was kind of going for that eerie or spooky atmosphere, which is that's what my friends and I talked about, which was an interesting conversation. Hill House felt really oppressive, like it felt yep. thick and heavy, and like you could feel the weight of like every character's action and interaction and like the emotions that they were like like fucking screaming at each other at some points yeah. and just like yeah. that family tension. And this was almost it was a little bit more brisk, a little bit lighter. Um like there were still like some heavy themes going on, but at no point did I feel like crazy like like suffocated by the show until yep. maybe the lady episode, like the eighth yep. episode. And I think part of that was, that was like the stylistic choice because, Oh, pin on style. Sorry. Fuck. Uh, there's something else I wanted to say. Um, like the, like the stylistic choice, just like the black and white and like the dim lighting, like it made it feel claustrophobic at that point mm -hmm. and it made it feel old, which was cool. Mm -hmm. One of the things that both Tiffany and I really noticed <laughs> at the very beginning, speaking of, style and tone um so this movie or this show is set in england and there was one point when i turned to tiffany and i said this feels like uh, epi uh season one of the new revival of doctor who yeah. everything felt overblown everything felt like overly lit and overly not saturated but just like like it felt like they were shooting it on like um like 1987 cameras like the yeah. the, the, the quality of what we were watching felt like something of that era and I, I take back what I said about this doesn't have a style. That was an amazing stylistic choice. And that's what I even said to you, Tiffany. I fucking, yeah. God damn, I'm so happy I just remember this. They, <laughs> like, the style, the way it was shot felt like something of that era, which is yeah. pretty cool, actually, I think. Like, it's not flashy or interesting to look at, but it felt like you were watching a TV show from that era. And then it eventually, like, once, I think around, like, episode probably ever said like four like it, yeah. it loses that and it kind of gets like a, a more modern sheen or i guess episode three whenever they do the uh the boarding school episode two. Would, that's episode two. two? Oh, then i take it back then it was yeah. episode three well boarding um, school is episode two, is episode two. so but they, they, those those early ones feel like like overblown lighting in the background mm -hmm. like that type of stuff it was it was really neat i liked yeah. it 
I had some other thoughts about the dream hopping stuff and just some of the, I I don't know if I want to go into it, but I feel like some of the stuff they didn't never explained or explained away in a line. They're like, Oh yeah, that's, we have three episodes of like people going in and out of memories. And then it's just like, Oh yeah, we dream hop. And I was like, how the fuck does that work? Tell me how that works. Cause at this point I'm fucking bored of it. And I think (laughs) I, I hated it. Episode five. The episode with Hannah, I liked but then they do it. They kept doing it, and I was like, "What the fuck are we doing?" I don't. By the end I don't of like episode, this. I, By the end of her episode, I was like, "I can't do a whole episode of this." I, there are so many other things and storylines that I want to know about. I don't. I don't. I don't get what you're trying to do. And then they go, "Oh, we dream hop." I go, "Well, tell me how it works now, because you've shown me for three episodes. I want to understand this." For for me. <laughs> Like, um, uh, as I was watching episode five, and I have a feeling both of you had the same same thought. I could only think about the episode of Castle Rock with yeah, with um, with um with, with the Spacek. dementia the dementia episode with Sissy so Spacek, and I was like, the, the, <laughs> this is trying to be that episode and failing in every way. Yes. Like, it wasn't bad, but like people on the internet <laughs> are talking about how it's the best episode it's of the season, not. and I was like. Honestly, it was kind of a weak point for me. I felt like the storytelling got a little muddled and it wasn't clear what I was supposed to be taking away from the episode that once it got to the end, I was just like, man, a big chunk of this felt like a wasted opportunity. And then like they start talking more about dream hopping and tucking away, I think is what like what they call for the kids and i just like i hear more about that and i'm like i'm really interested in that idea but i don't want to see more of it the way that they did it in episode five like like i want to see this idea but i want to see it done well and i don't i don't know that i i trusted them to do it so they they never fully explain like why they keep on getting recycled back to this that one memory like is that memory like their best memory their strongest memory their character defining moment or is it like a safe memory what is it about that particular point in their lives that they feel comfortable getting sucked back to over and over again because like or not because like peter's character is like no i don't want to go back here again that's what i mean like why is that why is or why do they get each of those individual memory or those moments like why is that it like i'm confused on it peter goes back to his mom who he fucking hates and hannah goes back to owen who she's in love with and i'm just like okay i don't see any similarities between these two moments and that's like all we really see for moments bex Bex has one bex is the 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 photo uh with the jacket the fur coat coat. goes back to the fur coat which like is kind of a little bit of both of them. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's like love, but also love of the person that murdered you. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. So like, I don't understand what these three things have in common. That is why these people keep going like, and not by choice. They keep going yeah. back to them by force. And they don't explain it. They just go, Oh, we dream hop. And I'm like, well, we'll teach yeah. her how to dream hop yeah. too. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, they don't. They don't want to explain that, which is like a fundamental core yeah. of of the ghosts in the show. But they want to take an, over an hour to explain the backstory for the Lady of the Lake, which is interesting. But holy fuck! I I, I think that <laughs> Tiffany and I liked the, that episode more than you did. Is what I'm getting out of this. I mean, I mean, I like no, no, no. I liked the episode. 
Like, if I could watch it on its own, I would. I, I'm interested in it. Tiffany even but said I, this would be a great movie. Like, I would I'm, watch that. I'm, I'm not interested in it as part of the show, and maybe we differ on that. But personally, when I'm looking at the show, I could remove that episode and drop in more information about stuff we've already been given that is already important to me as a viewer because i've been watching the show for so long that i feel like it would have informed the last episode better and made it a little more impactful i think that's me i think the reason that i liked that episode a lot is because i got burnt out on like episode like five six and seven Mm -hmm. where like it didn't do it for me and i felt like they took too much time with the dream hopping to never explain it. And then all of a sudden we're possessing the kids and like, they mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't explain it. And I, I, a couple times to Dwight, I was like, I'm not enjoying this. Mm-hmm. I'm bored. And then they hit me with episode eight and I'm like, I've, I agree, Alex, that if it were edited throughout the show, it would have been awesome. But like yeah. in my viewing experience, I was like, yes, this is the yeah. story that I fucking wanted the whole time. I want yeah. this, this character explained that, is a big deal and is walking around the house that like is awesome. We see her and I'm like, who the fuck is she? This is the story I wanted. And we get it all in one chunk, which is great. But I like, I was so burnt out on those middle three episodes and I'm just like, I can't, I don't understand what's happening. And I hate this. Like, this is not, this is not good writing. (laughs) This is sloppy. And then they get that. And I was like, yes, this is a good ghost story. And I was like, okay, I'm back on board. And it kind of rejuvenated me for the last episode. So, uh, it sounds like our overall opinion is fuck Bly Manor, fuck Mike Flanagan, and fuck you. No. I, I think it's a good but flawed show. Yeah. That, that's where I, I land. I 100% agree. Yeah, it's better than a lot of things I think that are out there. Um, and it's worth your time. And it's a good spooky thing. And it's yep. it's got a lot of good themes. And, like, you know, we've been talking about all the things that we pulled out of it. So, like, it's it has value. Absolutely. I, I, I feel like a lot of people have been more negative on it than we – And even – I mean, we were negative in the show. But I think a lot of people have been like, it sucks. Don't watch it. I've seen a lot yeah. of people on Facebook oh. and stuff like that saying that. Like, it's not as good as Hill House. It's not worth your time. Which I don't I, agree with. But I would never I, – I, I honestly wouldn't – not recommend wow i wouldn't not (laughs) recommend this to somebody especially if i know that they're into the horror genre because Mm -hmm. i feel like this is a really good um just like hill house was hill house was a family drama wrapped in a ghost story and this to me is a love story wrapped in a ghost story like i i i honestly feel that so i feel that it has merit to watch and it's really interesting to talk about with people. Like I, I'm really glad that you guys finished it as quickly as you did, honestly, because I've just been sitting here twiddling my goddamn thumbs waiting for somebody to finish it. And Billy finally finished it the other night. And I was just like, Billy, we need to talk about it. And Corey was there and I was like, well, we can't talk about it. Cause Corey's on only done with two episodes so we'll wait and then Corey left and we forgot that we were going to talk about it and then billy's like i'm gonna go to bed and i go no wait we have to talk about bly manor so we stayed up for like another 20 minutes talking about it and it was fun to get all that off of my chest and i i 
the best horror, the horror is incidental because the story itself can stand on its own. And then the horror elements are just there to kind of bring uh, that to the surface and just kind of elevate that into a spooky spot. But um, yeah, so the this one I think absolutely fits there. Tiffany, you have a thousand pins. You have to say something for each one of those pins you just put out. I know. This is why I love zombie movies so much, or most of them, because like, not in the same way where you're saying the horror doesn't is kind of incidental. The horror is kind of crucial to a zombie movie, mm-hmm. but it's like for me every time I watch a, a zombie film that's like not making fun of it, like Zombievers or something. Um, or black sheep or whatever. It's about the people and how people handle crisis and how people like in those moments become the worst or the best versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I love that. Like I, for whatever reason, the, the zombiness and like in this case, like the ghostness and dealing with supernatural stuff, like it elevates that stuff. It like brings out things in people that, again, are the best or worst qualities. Like it makes people nervous. It makes people panic. It makes people rise to the occasion. And I, that's, I think why I love zombie films so much. Um, I think if, if Bly Manor does one thing for this world, I hope it gets more people to watch Hill House because I think all of us here can agree that it is amazing and everybody should watch it. Like I know Billy watched Bly Manor with Kat his fiance and she's never watched Hill House and she liked Bly Manor and Billy went if you liked Bly Manor you gotta watch Hill House because it is better now hear me out and so she's gonna give it a try and I I really hope that she enjoys it as much as uh, like everyone I know that's watched Hill House enjoys it because it's just so good that so, was a fantastic I I episode. I didn't hit on one of my notes. Oh, do you, but then, it then d- say it. No, it's kind of irrelevant now. I, I would say that this episode was perfectly splendid. Perfectly splendid. Perfectly splendid. Bye. Wait, is that what? it? No. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> so, uh, thank- I mean, that's a good place to wrap it up. But it would be. yeah. So, um, well, thank you very much for listening to this episode of No Refunds. I was a very deep, 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 deep dive under the lake of Bly Manor, where we shall live in a trunk forever. Um, so thank you very much for, for listening. Uh, you can email us at norefundspodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook. You can like us on Instagram. You can uh, listen to the Time Trials by the Hyper Potions, which is the song you're listening to right now. So thank you very much for that. Send us emails. Send us uh, send us uh, your your uh, send us a sp- what spooky movies are you watching this season? Let us know. I've been playing Friday the Thirteenth, and I'm gonna play it some more. Bye. Do you guys have anything you want to say? Oh, um, am I saying bye now? You can. Uh, bye. Bye. Bye.
I have a question for everyone. And yeah. by everyone, I mean both of you. Mm-hmm. Do we wipe front to back or back to front? 